I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Isaiah chapters 38 and 39, and then Psalm 76. In Isaiah chapter 38, we see that Hezekiah gets sick, really, really sick. Now there's a parallel passage to Isaiah chapter 38 and 39, actually. And that's 2 Kings chapter 20. But we won't be looking at that passage until October the 13th. So if you look in the written notes of BibleTrack.org, you'll notice that the Second uh, Kings 20 passage is in the right column there, and it's notated in blue. Now Isaiah chapter 38, verse 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall, and prayed unto the Lord, and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he hath spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees which has gone down in the sundial of Ahaz ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees by which degrees it was gone down. The writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and was recovered of his sickness. I said in the cutting of my days, I shall go to the gates of the grave. I am deprived of the residue of my tears. I said, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord, in the land of the living. I shall behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. Mine age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I have cut off like a weaver my life. He will cut off with pining sickness. From day even to night wilt thou make an end of me. I reckon till morning that as a lion so will he break all my bones. From day even to night wilt thou make an end of me. Like a crane or a swallow so did I chatter. I did mourn as a dove, mine eyes fail with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed, undertake for me. What shall I say? He hath both spoken unto me, and himself hath done it. I shall go softly all my tears in the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So wilt thou recover me, and make me to live." Behold, for peace I have great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. For the grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee, 
They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The living, the living, he shall praise thee. As I do this day, the father to the children shall make known thy truth. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. For Isaiah had said, Let them take a lump of figs and lay it for a plaster upon the boil, and he shall recover. Hezekiah also had said, What is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? Well, we see that in this passage, Hezekiah is so sick, he's about to die. He goes back to God in prayer in verses 1 through 3, asking that his life might be spared at least for the immediate future. Through Isaiah, God makes two promises to Hezekiah. The first is to spare Hezekiah's life for another 15 years in verse 5. The second promise is to defend Jerusalem from the king of Assyria. In 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 8, Hezekiah wants an immediate sign that God will fulfill his two promises here. That's where the sundial comes into play. After a little negotiation with God regarding which way he wanted the sun to abnormally move, backward or forward, Hezekiah decides that he'd like to go look at his dad, his dad was Ahaz, go look at his dad's sundial and see the sun shadow move backward 10 degrees. That was some specific unit of measurement on the dial. Since we don't have the details of the construction of the sundial, we don't know exactly how it might have been marked. Therefore, it's impossible to tell exactly how much of the day's sunlight was repeated on this occasion. But here's what we do know. God gave a sign of his promise to Hezekiah on the sundial that was definitive. Now, if you look at 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1-11, through 11, in that passage, which is paralleled in the right column here, there is more detail regarding this miracle. In verses 9 through 20, Hezekiah writes down his thoughts regarding his sickness. Hezekiah's metaphor-filled recap of his sickness is found in verses 9 through 14. His feelings about death and life are in verses 15 through 18. And Hezekiah's promise to praise the Lord as long as he lives is contained in verses 19 and 20. As a deal capper, God gives Hezekiah that special sundial miracle, and that's to demonstrate his ability to keep his promise regarding the extension of Hezekiah's life. In the second king's account, we see that Hezekiah specifically only mentions this aspect of the promise. We see one more interesting fact about the healing of Hezekiah that day in second kings chapter 20 verse 7. Hezekiah had a nasty-looking boil which Isaiah commanded that a lump of fig should be laid upon. Briefly mentioned, by the way, in Isaiah's account here in verses 21 and 22. Now we have another prophecy with a little bit of rebuke for Hezekiah in Isaiah chapter 39. This account is also paralleled in 2 Kings chapter 20, beginning with verse 12 down through verse 21. It's not part of the reading for today, but it is noted in the right column, it's in blue, and you can read it along if you'd like to find out the details that are contained in that passage. Isaiah chapter 39, verse 1. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he'd heard that he had been sick and was recovered. 
And Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto king Hezekiah and said unto him, What said thee these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away. And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. Well, here is the man, Hezekiah. This is the man that went before God and pled for his city and then for his life. God honored both prayers, but Hezekiah never quite got it. You recall that he had first tried to hedge his bets against the Assyrians performing an alliance with Egypt. Well, Egypt subsequently fell to the Assyrians. While Hezekiah had a firm relationship with God, he liked to cover all of his bases. It was Isaiah who held Hezekiah's feet to the fire, and to Hezekiah's credit he gave heed to Isaiah's counsel. However, in verse 1, we see that visitors from afar show up at Hezekiah's door. They were actually messengers from Merodach Baladon of Babylon. Now, regarding this man, Merodach Baladon, it says this. He was the son of Baladon, king of Babylon. And uh, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia has this note. He's mentioned just in Isaiah 39.1 as a king of Babylon who sent an embassy to Hezekiah, king of Judah, apparently shortly after the latter's illness in order to congratulate him on his recovery of health and to make with him an offensive and defensive alliance. This Merodach Baladan was a king of the Chaldeans of the house of Yakin and was the most dangerous and inveterate foe of Sargon and his son Sennacherib, kings of Assyria, with whom he long and bitterly contested the possession of Babylon and the surrounding provinces. Merodach Baladan seems to have seized Babylon immediately after the death of Shalmaneser in 721 B.C., and it was not till the twelfth year of his reign that Sargon succeeded in ousting him. From that time down to the eighth campaign of Sennacherib, Sargon and his son pursued with relentless animosity Merodach Baladan and his family until at last his son Nebuchadnezzar Khan was captured and the whole family of Merodach Baladan was apparently destroyed. According to the monuments, therefore, it was from a worldly point of view good politics for Hezekiah and his western allies to come to an understanding with Merodach Baladan and the Arameans. Elamites, and others who were confederate with him. 
From a strategical point of view, the weakness of the Allied powers consisted in the fact that the Arabian Desert lay between the eastern and western members of the Confederacy, so that the Assyrian kings were able to attack their enemies when they pleased and to defeat them in detail. That's the entry from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. But where was Isaiah when these envoys show up to visit Hezekiah? They said they came to pay their respects because they heard that Hezekiah had been sick. Now that sounds suspicious, although, as a vassal state of Assyria at the time, Merodach Baladan must have admired the fact that Jerusalem alone had withstood the Assyrian assault, something he'd failed to do up to this point. Hezekiah wanted to make the trip worthwhile, so he showed them everything he owned. After all, they had a common enemy, and that enemy was Assyria. Then Isaiah shows up and says something to the effect of, You did what? Isaiah breaks some bad news to Hezekiah. He says, These people will be back. They'll return one day as conquerors, and they'll lead your descendants into captivity. Some good news, though. You'll die before all this happens. All this will happen to your kids, not you. News that I think I would find depressing, but it seems like it was pleasing to Hezekiah in verse 8 where he says, in essence, well, at least it won't happen to me. Then we find the miracle of Isaiah's prophecy revisited. This is the prophecy issued by Isaiah to King Hezekiah. It's so remarkable, we just need to emphasize it again. So you'll recall from our reading in Isaiah chapter 37 that the Assyrians, it was prophesied by Isaiah, will never capture Jerusalem. Now, that prophecy, as I mentioned, was first found in Isaiah 37, verses 7 through 10. And that's while Jerusalem was surrounded by the Assyrians, several hundred thousand troops. The Assyrians had laid siege to all the countries surrounding Jerusalem, including the walled cities within Judah itself. After Hezekiah's prayer in Isaiah chapter 37, verses 15 to 35, we find then in verse 36 it says, Then the angel of the Lord went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. Count them now. A hundred eighty-five thousand dead Assyrians. Then the Assyrians leave Jerusalem without accomplishing their mission. Then here in today's passage in Isaiah chapter 38 verse 6, God prophesies to Hezekiah through Isaiah. He says this, And I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. So in the face of insurmountable opposition, God promises to deliver Jerusalem from Assyria, and in fact he does just that. This took place, by the way, in 701 B.C. But here's more of Isaiah's prophecy. While the Assyrians will never capture Jerusalem, the second part of this prophecy is Isaiah tells Hezekiah the Babylonians will capture Jerusalem. After Hezekiah gives the deluxe tour to the visiting messengers from Babylon in Isaiah chapter 39, also paralleled by 2 Kings chapter 20 verses 12 through 21, then Isaiah shows up to rebuke Hezekiah for such a bone-headed gesture. These Babylonians, Isaiah tells him, will one day conquer the Assyrian Empire, and then 
they come back for you here in Jerusalem, Hezekiah. Now notice this remarkable prophecy given by Isaiah in verses 6 and 7 of chapter 39. He says, Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up and stored to this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Now here's the fascinating aspect of this prophecy by Isaiah. It'd be 92 years before the Babylonians would overcome the Assyrians in 609 B.C. And then after that, another 23 years before Jerusalem would actually fall once and for all in 586 B.C. That account is, by the way, found in 2 Kings chapters 24 and 25. What a prophet of God! In the face of impossible odds, Isaiah correctly prophesies that Jerusalem will not fall, at least to the Assyrians. Yet, Isaiah prophesies that Jerusalem will fall 115 years later to an empire that, by the way, in 701 B.C., was not even an empire. It was just a vassal state of Assyria. Just as I said, a remarkable prophecy by Isaiah. Now we're going to read Psalm 76. This psalm is inserted into the chronological reading of the Old Testament at this point in time for some good reason that we'll talk about as after we read these verses. The subtitle to this one says, To the Chief Musician on Neganoth, a psalm or song of Asaph. Verse 1. In Judah is God known, his name is great in Israel. In Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. There break he the arrows of the bow, the shield and the sword and the battle, Selah. Thou art more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted are spoiled, they have slept their sleep and none of the men of might have found their hands. At thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and horse are cast into a dead sleep. Thou, even thou, art to be feared, and who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry? Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth, Selah, Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shall thou restrain. Vow and pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be round about him bring presents to him that ought to be feared. He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is terrible to the kings of the earth. Now this psalm is chronologically inserted here in our Bible track reading along with Isaiah chapters 38 and 39. Here's the reason why. Several of the references contained herein seem to describe the Assyrian threat on Jerusalem that we read about in Isaiah 37, 38, and 39. It was quite possibly written during this period of time. In this psalm, we find an enemy who is supernaturally defeated because they fall into a deep sleep. And by the way, that's exactly what happened to the Assyrians in 701 B.C. outside of Jerusalem during the reign of King Hezekiah. By the way, in the psalm, the subtitle, we find the word Neganoth, which identifies songs with instrumental accompaniment. 
This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.